0: Ten years ago, in 2013, Time magazine, they they actually featured a study that proposed to name the top 100 significant people throughout history. The study was done by some other people, and the authors of that study, they took 9,000 different names, and and they ran them through a computer and did these uh, logarithms and all these other things, and they came up with the 100 most significant people. I'm only going to share with you 10 the top 10. At number 10, it was Thomas Jefferson, Alexander the Great, Aristotle. Number seven was Adolf Hitler. Now we know it's not based on popularity and and stuff like that. Uh, Number six was George Washington, there was Abraham Lincoln, Shakespeare. Number three was Muhammad, number two was Napoleon, and number one was Jesus. And it's, it's kind of interesting, intriguing that Time Magazine would recognize Jesus Christ as the most significant person in history. The authors of, of the study that did all the logarithms and stuff, again, they had 9,000 names that they were working with of people throughout history. But I'm pretty sure that there was one person in history that didn't make the cut that they weren't even thinking about probably a person that most Christians would not even think about as having been significant in history. And yet he was. This individual was more vital to world history than Shakespeare or Lincoln or Washington or maybe even all three of them put together. Today, as we continue working our way through the final week, we're looking at Jesus' final week on earth. We, Kathy already read for us John chapter 18, verses 28 through 40. The significant man, the significant person that I want us to talk about, his name is Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate? Why on earth would you think that Pontius Pilate was one of the most significant people in history? The one who I've ever lived? Well, we have to wait till we get to the end of this, and I'll tell you why. But in the meantime, let's dig in and, and learn a little bit about Pontius Pilate. According to one source, Pilate was a cold, cruel, calculating politician who played all the different angles. Jesus was crucified somewhere around 33 AD and Pontius Pilate. He was governor of Judea from 26 through 36, and so Jesus would have come kind of right in the middle in there. And during his time in office, Pilate had managed to accumulate a large number of enemies, which wasn't hard because he was ruling in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, it was not an easy place to rule over, to rule in and stuff like that. The Jews, they hated the Romans. They would riot, they would revolt at the drop of the hat. Anything would set them off. It was a powder keg waiting to go. And that's why Pilate made sure that anytime there was a feast day in Jerusalem where, you know, all these thousands of Jews are going to gather together, they're going to collect he always made sure they had hundreds of soldiers that were on hand. Because you get that many Jews in one place and it is a recipe for disaster. But when he wasn't in Jerusalem, Pilate's home was in Caesarea Maritima. Caesarea Maritima. It had been built by Herod the Great. it, It was a seaport there on the Mediterranean. He'd also built himself there a summer palace. And so when he died, that palace, it became the residence, the living quarters for the governor from within that region. Before Pilate met Jesus, he was already having political problems. During his governorship, there had already been two revolts there in Judea. On one occasion, some money was taken from the temple treasury to build these aqueducts, to to bring water into Jerusalem. And the Jews, they rioted, and Pilate had them subdued by having many of them clubbed and stabbed to death. Luke chapter 13, verse 1, it may have been referring to this riot when it tells us about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. These riots, they put Pilate in jeopardy with Caesar. In 36 AD, Pilate was actually ordered to return back to Rome in order to stand trial for cruelty and oppression, particularly on the charge that he had had men executed without a proper trial. And the verdict, the verdict was handed down. Emperor Caligula actually ordered Pilate to take his own life. But that's just the short, that's a, a little bit about this ugly story of the man who had Jesus crucified. See, now, before the time where Jesus stood before Pilate, Pilate could ill afford another revolt. And the Jewish leaders, knowing this, they demanded that Pilate put Jesus to death. You can almost sense the struggle You can almost sense the the tension that is going on within Pilate. He's somehow trying to figure out how to avoid executing Jesus. But he's trapped. He's trapped between a rock and a hard place. And he knows it. And he doesn't like it at all. He tells the Jews, you take him and you judge him by your own laws. But they refuse to do it. And so after interviewing Jesus, he tells the Jews, I find no fault in him. But the Jews, they refuse to back off. They are pressing even harder. In John chapter 19 and verse 12, we are told, from then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. But the Jews kept shouting, if you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar's. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. And things, are, they're quickly getting out of control, they're getting out of hand. Pilate realizes that if he lets Jesus go, he is going to have a revolt on his hands. And he cannot afford that. And so Jesus, Jesus has to die. But before Pilate made that decision, he had this interesting conversation with Jesus, the conversation that Kathy read for us just a little earlier. All Pilate wants to know is if Jesus is a threat to Rome. And so he asks him, are you the king of the Jews? That's because if Jesus intended to stage an armed revolt, then Pilate could crucify him, no questions asked. But Jesus answers him, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were my servants, they would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. Despite what the Jews believed back then and what even some Christians believe even still today, Jesus, he did not come to set up an earthly kingdom. That was never part of the plan. There was never going to be an earthly kingdom because Jesus' kingdom, it is not of this world. There is no boundaries, earthly boundaries for it. You can't point, go to a, a spot on the map or point to a, a spot on a globe and say this is where the kingdom is. That's because Christ's kingdom is not of this world. But if Christ's kingdom is not of this world, then where is it? Well, first, Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 tells us, God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. In other words, we, we who are Christians, we who are Christ followers, we are in the kingdom of Christ right now, right here. The kingdom of Christ is us. It's His church. It's His bride. It's a spiritual kingdom, and His kingdom is wherever we are at. And that's a a very interesting piece of theology that you can talk about and you can discuss. But you realize Jesus, He isn't focused on theology in His conversation with Pilate. He is simply focused on Pilate. He is standing before the man who can and will have Him executed. And so Jesus, He is witnessing, He is sharing with Pilate. So Pilate asked Jesus if he is the king of the Jews, and Jesus responds, is that your own idea, or did others talk to you about me? In other words, it was like saying, even now, Pilate, you can make a choice. You can decide to choose me, but you have to make a choice. To which Pilate responds is, whoa, whoa, back up just a minute, back this train up, I'm not even a Jew. And that's when Jesus tells Pilate his kingdom of not of this world. And so Pilate repeats the question, you are a king then? And then Jesus gives this really unusual response, he does this unusual thing, he says, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And to that, Pilate responds, what is truth? And that ends the conversation right there. Comes to an abrupt halt. The question that came to my mind, and maybe you're trying to wonder this, is what was Jesus doing? Why did Jesus bring up this issue of truth? It had never been discussed before this. It was never even in the conversation. And all of a sudden, Jesus kind of throws it out there. And then Pilate, he actually kind of reacts kind of violently. He gets fairly aggressive. What is truth? The very mention of truth just seems to trigger this response within Pilate. What's going on here? Well, we live in a world that likes to bend the rules and and twist it just a little bit. There are a lot of people that believe that if you want to get ahead in this world, whether it's in politics or in business, sometimes even within relationships, then you have to sacrifice the truth once in a while. The rules, they hem us in. The rules, they make it so that we are not free to do what it is that we want to do. And that's pretty much how Pilate has lived his entire life. That's how he has gotten to this position of power that he is in. He bends the rules. He hurts who he has to hurt. He cheats who he has to cheat. Because the name of the game, it is to win. And that's why Jesus came to die on a cross for us. Jesus came as the truth that declared, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son Personalize that for a moment. God so loved you that he gave his one and only son. You see, Jesus came to die for our sins. He died on a cross to cover the things that shame us, the things that we had done wrong. He died to cover our sins because we could not do it. And he did that with his blood. And so that kind of brings me back to the promise I made at the beginning of this message when I promised that I would tell you why I believe that Pilate was one of the most significant men in history. Here's the reason without Pilate, Jesus would not have died on the cross. See, Pilate was the only man who was in a position, who had the power, who had the authority to fulfill the prophecy that Jesus had made about how he was going to die. Pilate. And Pilate alone had to make that decision to crucify Christ so that Jesus would die for our sins. But we don't go and, and praise Pilate. We don't erect these statues. We don't build these statues in honor of Pilate. See, he was forced into a decision that he did not even want to make. We do, however, praise Jesus, him crucified. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called both Jews and Greek, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. And so the question, as we wrap it up this morning, the question I want to ask you is this, what will you do with Jesus? Well, what did Pilate do with Jesus? He had Jesus crucified. But what will you do with Jesus? There is is a poem, and it goes this way Jesus is standing in Pilate's hall, friendless, forsaken, betrayed by all. Hearken what meaneth the sudden call. What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? Neutral, you cannot be. Someday your heart will be asking. What will he do with me? It wasn't until this morning that I actually really learned that that poem, it's actually a hymn. I didn't know that. And so I've asked Don if he would come up and sing three verses of this hymn for us before we do our closing songs. Because I don't know, I didn't know that till now. Listen to these words.